Welcome. You're listening to audio from Haddington Elam Church. We hope that you are encouraged and challenged by this week's message. Those of you that maybe weren't here or missed it, last week we looked at Solomon. And if you do have your tablet, your phone, your Bible, we're going to be looking at 1 Kings chapter 11. And this is kind of part two of that, although it's a bit, a bit different. But we looked at how Solomon, in his later years, as he got old, he had a divided heart. And last week I shared that message about the divided heart. He had started out so well. If you remember, Solomon was, was young and God appeared to him in a dream. And he said, you know, what would you like? And he said, help me to shepherd your people well. And so he, from the beginning, had started well, but ended up losing everything because his heart turned from the Lord. Today's going to be one of those times where we're just going to kind of be introspectively looking at our heart. Although he had great opportunities and promises from God, he could not keep his heart wholly devoted says that he began to have all of these other wives and over time they began to bring in their pagan gods and their pagan rituals and his heart began to turn from the Lord. He allowed, no, but he allowed his wives to turn his heart. This was something he could have put a stop to in the beginning. He could have stopped it, but he allowed his wives. It said they began to burn incense and worship other gods and he allowed that to go on. And then... He began to participate, and his heart was turned away. And what was even worse than his heart turning away, it caused him to sin. God had specifically told them not to do these things to these pagan idols and build these high places. But even worse than that, he led all Israel to sin. God was grieved at this, and what we're going to be looking at today is God beginning to tear the kingdom from Solomon. Solomon didn't have the sincere heart of his father, David. David would repent and seek God. David messed up. He wasn't perfect. In fact, I had mentioned that the Bible doesn't hide the falterings and missteps and all the the failings of the people in the Bible. But David would repent and he would seek God and he had a heart. God said, a man after my own heart. And David had a heart for God. And there are great lessons that we're going to look at through this message today. Although leading his people from Egypt with an outstretched arm, God had been rejected by the people as their king and shepherd when they asked the prophet Samuel for a king to be just like all the other nations around them. And remember, Samuel was grieved and God says, they've not rejected you, they're rejecting me. And they asked God, give us a king. We want to be just like everybody else. Have you ever heard that in your life? Maybe if you have children or maybe even when you were young. I just want to be like everybody else. I don't want to stand out. We have that thing. So Israel, although to be specifically set apart unto God, said we want to be just like everybody else. We want to be like the other nations around them. They were called to be an example to the whole earth that there was a true and living God in Israel And they were called to bring salvation to the world. We are also called to separate ourselves from the world. 1 Peter 2.9 But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For you once were not a people, But now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. 
We're called to be separate. We're called to be holy. We're a royal priesthood. So we shouldn't look exactly like the world. There should be that distinction. But we are to be a royal priesthood, separate from the world. We're in it, but not of it. And note Solomon, last week we looked at, had a divided heart. So you could think that on one hand, maybe that's not that big a deal. You know, he was married to all these women and he began to have a divided heart. But his divided heart led to a divided kingdom. It cost Israel dearly. So today we're looking at 1 Kings chapter 11. We're going to begin at verse 28. We're introduced here in this passage to a young man called Jeroboam. And he gets the opportunity of a lifetime. He really does get this opportunity. And then God presents it to him. Now it says, Now the man Jeroboam was a valiant warrior. And when Solomon saw that the young man was industrious, he appointed him over all the forced labor of the house of Joseph. And it came about at that time, when Jeroboam went out of Jerusalem, that the prophet Ahijah, the Shilonite, found him on the road. Now Ahijah had clothed himself with a new cloak, and both of them were alone in the field. Then Ahijah took hold of the new cloak which was on him and tore it into 12 pieces. In the progression of the first three kings of Israel, each of them started out well, but faltered. If you remember in the first three kings that Israel had, Saul was chosen as king. Remember it says of Saul, he was head and shoulders above everybody else. He was handsome and good looking. It was easy to pick him out of the crowd. Oh, that guy must be the king. As time went on, he faltered and messed up time and time again. And he was confronted by Samuel the prophet. Samuel went to leave and Saul reached out and his cloak ripped. He ripped Saul's garment as he was leaving and Samuel said to him, God was tearing the kingdom to give it to another. Significant tearing. And then the next king, David, we see, he was hiding in the cave with his men. And Saul came into the cave. And it says, David cut a piece of his cloak or his garment off of him. The illustration that the prophet uses here is obvious. That God is doing something. There's a significance of the tearing of the garment. There's, it's not just... The guy had nothing better to do. It was significant at what he was doing. Verse 31, and he said to Jeroboam, now imagine this, he's a young man just walking. It says they were alone in the field. He says, take for yourself 10 pieces, for this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. Behold, I am going to tear the kingdom away from the hand of Solomon and give you 10 tribes. This isn't no small matter. This is his people, his his the sheep of his pasture. He says, but he shall have one tribe for the sake of my servant David and for the sake of Jerusalem, the city which I have chosen from all the tribes of Israel. And God explains to him what he's doing and why. Solomon may never have thought that this would happen. Maybe he didn't think there was much to that, to burning these incense or to just building these high places. Maybe he didn't think that the acts that he were do, was doing were significant. But this has tremendous, tremendous impact. He thought that he would have a long dynasty, a long lasting legacy. He probably never, the wisest man that ever lived, probably never could have thought that this would happen. But this is why God explains verse 33, because they, 
the nation as a whole, not just Solomon. So God isn't just judging Solomon in this, but the nation, because they have abandoned me and have worshiped Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and Chemosh, the god of Moab, and Milcom, the god of the sons of Ammon. And they have not walked in my ways, doing what is right in my sight, and keeping my statutes and my ordinances as his father David did. So this is huge, friends. This is huge. This young man gets an opportunity of a lifetime from God and says, there's 12 pieces, take 10. More than just a little, more than just half. He says, of 12 pieces, take 10. They are for you. Friends, idolatry, by definition, is putting anything over God's place in your heart. So today, just ask you, search your heart. Are we putting anything in the place of God that would have either our worship or our time or our mental energies? Anything in the place of God is idolatry. I'm not talking about making an idol and, and worshiping it. I'm talking about anything. Some people have where their finances are their idol or whatever it be. And I was thinking as I was... Uh, kind of reflecting over last week's message about we would say today, oh, you know, nobody worships pagan idols and stuff. But I thought about all those programs that were out, American Idol and, you know, all these different ones. It's like, why? Because people idolize all these celebrities. We actually do have idols. We have things that we worship. It could be a football player. Maybe this guy, people just worship these football players. Anything that takes the place in your heart instead of God is idolatry. And friends, idolatry has devastating effects. And the same as Solomon, he may have thought this is just a small thing. And I noticed something, if you read through the word, it's like the things that seem small and insignificant are actually huge before God. But sometimes things that seem like a big mistake, God just will forgive quickly and move on. This doesn't seem like that big a deal. He burned some incense. He built a few high places, but this cost Israel dearly. As they entered into pagan worship, it would become a snare for Israel time and time again. And God had warned them before they went into the promised land, do not be like the other nations. Don't intermarry with them. They will be a snare to you and they will draw you into this pagan worship. And it's always that, oh, that's, that'll happen to the other guy. You hear people who are into drug addiction. They never believe it would happen to them. Oh, that's the other guy. That's the other woman, but it'll never happen to me. And Israel must have thought it wouldn't happen to them. But we find them lost in pagan and idol worship. Here, when the kingdom is divided, Israel as a nation would not reunite for centuries. This sin tore the nation apart. So he didn't set out to do this, but it, it cost Israel for a long time. Continuing on verse 34. Nevertheless, I will not take the whole kingdom out of his hand, but I will make him ruler all the days of his life for the sake of my servant David, whom I chose to keep my commandments and my statutes. But I will take the kingdom from his son's hand and give it to you, that is 10 tribes. But, but to his son, I will give one tribe so that my servant David may always have a lamp before me in Jerusalem, the city where I have chosen for myself to put my name. However, I will take you, saying to Jeroboam, and you shall reign over all that you desire, and you shall be king over Israel. Opportunity of a lifetime, all that he desires. 
verse 38. Then it shall be, so you'll rule over all the, that your heart desires. If you listen to all that I command you and walk in my ways and do what is right in my sight by keeping my statutes and my commandments as my servant David did, and then I will be with you and I will build you an enduring house as I built for David and I will give Israel to you. So I will oppress the descendants of David for this, but not always. This is unbelievable. This Jeroboam that we don't know much about in the beginning, we know much about David that's written and how he was chosen from his brothers. And we don't know much about Jeroboam. God says, I will give all Israel to you. It says that it's the father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. God has amazing promises. And he's asking today, would you obey my commands? Will you walk in my ways? Will you have an undivided heart? Not turning to the left or to the right and following after other things. Not being like the nations around you. Will you be, be like that? He says, I will be with you and build you an enduring house. This was an amazing, gracious gift and opportunity to Jeroboam. God promised to make a lasting dynasty for him if he would do what is right in the sight of the Lord. He was given the rarest opportunity. It says to establish a parallel dynasty to the house of David. So when God made the promise to David that he would have a descendant rule forever, he said the same to Jeroboam. If you do what I'm asking you to do, you will have a descendant rule forever. So he could have, in this, at the start, he could have reversed all the decisions that Solomon had made. He could have ripped down all those high places. He could have destroyed all of those idols. He could have said to Israel, we're not going to worship after these pagan gods. We're going to get rid of these shrines. And we're going to be a nation that worships the one true God. He could have corrected all the idolatry that the nation had fallen into. But friends, he did not. He did not. Verse 40, Solomon sought therefore to put Jeroboam to death. But Jeroboam set out and fled to Egypt, to Shishak, king of Egypt. And he was in Egypt until the death of Solomon. The first king, Saul, he had a, a, a spirit of jealousy. And he was trying multiple times to kill David. See, Saul saw the kingdom as his. And he saw David as a threat. And it says many times he threw a spear I mean, imagine at some of those dinner parties, <laughs> he's throwing a spear, it says, to pin David to the wall. It must be like the Matrix, and when he, David must have moved just enough. You can imagine this spear just bouncing it into the wall. But he wanted to kill him because it was his kingdom, and he would not allow David to rule in the place. Friends, I would say to you today, if you ever meet people, the tighter we try to hold on to things, the quicker they seem to slip through your fingers. But if we live our lives as open hands, God, everything that I have is yours. God seems to bless. But when we want to hold on, it's mine. It's my house. It's my car. It's my money. It says in the Bible that the things have wings of a dove and fly away. David, though, he lived in the reality that he knew it was God's kingdom and God's people. And it was God's to give and take as he saw fit. Friends, never forget where he found you. When we start to walk with God for a while, may we never forget. David always remembered, I'm just, I'm the little shepherd boy, played my harp and sang songs to God. He never was, and he was a mighty king, a mighty warrior. 
but he never forgot where God found him. Never forget where he found you. But here we see Solomon, unfortunately, instead of having a heart like David, his father, he seems to have a heart like Saul with murderous intent and fear of losing his kingdom. When he begins to get the wind and the word that he's going to be losing the kingdom, he has intent to kill Jeroboam. This is more shocking evidence of the decline in Solomon's heart. Because friends, if we're not careful, our heart can begin to get cold and our heart can begin to have some of those things in it. And here he's planning to kill his rival. Jesus says this in Matthew 15, 18. The religious leaders were saying to him that we notice that your followers don't wash their hands and they're defiling themselves. And Jesus said this, but the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart. And those things defile the person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murderers, act of adultery, other immoral sexual acts, thefts, false testimonies, and slanderous statements. These are the things that defile the person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile the person. That's where our stuff comes from. Sometimes it says, you know, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Friends, if somebody, if you ever get in, in a conversation with someone and they have those kind of just hatred or there's things, that's in their heart. That's a heart issue that's in their heart. Today, we have to make sure that our hearts are pure and soft before God because our hearts can get hard. They really can. Jeroboam and David were appointed by God to follow after disobedient kings. God makes these men try to take the nation in that different direction. David waited upon the Lord to establish the throne. He didn't go out and take it. He had those opportunities to kill Saul and he did not. And he said, I will not touch the Lord's anointed. And God blessed the reign of David. Jeroboam did not wait on the Lord, but he forced his own way to the throne and God did not bless his reign. Friends, sometimes we have to be patient and wait for the Lord to do things and not force our way in. When we would do ministry on the street, Sherry and I, we began to notice that there are people when you talk with people and you're doing evangelism or sharing your faith with people, we started to notice that there are people whose spirits are open and they're listening or they're attentive and other people, their spirits are closed off and you could give them wisdom from heaven and they will not have, listen to anything that you have to say. We can't force our way in. We have to allow God to do what he does. Solomon was shown special mercy for the sake of David, his father, because God had said this to David in 2 Samuel 7, 12. He had said to David, when your days are finished and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your descendants after you who will come from you and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be a father to him and he will be a son to me. And when he does wrong, I will discipline him with the rod of men and with the strokes of sons of mankind. But my favor shall not depart from him as I took it away from Saul, whom I removed from you. Your house and kingdom shall endure before me forever. Your throne shall be established forever in accordance with all these words and all this vision. Nathan spoke to David. God keeps his promises. He said to David, you will always have a descendant that will be on the throne. The Messiah came through the lineage of David and it was fulfilled throughout all of the history. 
what grace and mercy he extended to Solomon for his name's sake and for David, God showed great mercy to Judah and that tribe endured, but soon after Judah also fell into idolatry and pagan worship and they were also taken over. You had the Assyrians conquer and the Babylonians, then the Romans, Israel has been unfortunately in history in a bad place because Solomon brought sin into the nation. So friends, today I'm saying to you, you have an opportunity of a lifetime. Jeroboam had this and he squandered it. He did not seek God nor obey his commands. If you continue reading this through the week, if you go on into chapter 12 through chapter 15, Jeroboam failed miserably. Instead of a lasting dynasty, God told him that all his male descendants would be cut off. God said, I will make a clean sweep of the house of Jeroboam. All your family, there'll be no one left to carry on your legacy. And this was confirmed in chapter 15 by Basha, who wiped out and killed all the rest of Jeroboam's descendants. Friends, think about this. The gravity of this is huge. It's no small thing. This is a warning for us today. God gives us amazing opportunities. He asks us, will you, will you follow after me? Will you keep my commands? You know, Jesus said to us, to go into all the world and tell, to go and tell and make disciples. It wasn't a suggestion. It wasn't, you know, by the way, if you can check in your diary, if you have the time, commanded us to go and tell. And friends, that's what we're here for. We're here to make an impact. We want to be a place where people can come to know God. That's our whole purpose in being. We know that the statistics, don't know if you, you're aware of this, but when we first had come to Scotland in 2010, Scotland was considered an unreached people group because 95 to 98% of people have no faith in God. There was three to 5% of all faiths that attended any church regularly. And yet 70 years ago, there was the Hebridean revival that touched the world. And in one generation, 70 years, more than 90% of people have no faith in God. We would say to people in the States, if you went to church, it was, oh yeah, Christmas and at Easter. And here people would say, I go to church at a wedding or a funeral, not even at Christmas and Easter. And friends, it's, it's our watch. We're commanded to go and tell. Are we sharing our faith? God's given us amazing opportunities for a blessed life if we obey him and keep his commands. And this is something that we constantly need to do. We have to search our hearts to see if we've compromised in any area. Maybe we had such a love for God when we were first saved, we first came to faith, and that's years ago. Maybe we've begun to drift from God. Is our love for God growing cold? I know when people first come to faith, they, have to, they want to tell everybody, they're so excited, let me tell you what happened. I was, but after years, they might not ever share their faith with anyone. God had said to the nation of Israel that he placed before them life and death, blessings and cursings, and God implored them to choose life. We have that choice in front of us today 
to obey God and choose life or to reject Christ, Christ and face death. And worse than death actually is the eternal separation from God for all eternity. The Bible says that he has placed eternity in the hearts of men. Friends, I say to you today, choose life. Choose life. And it's one of those times where we, like I said, it's introspection. We have to look at our heart. Is my love for God growing cold? Is my desire to share my faith with my family or my neighbor waning? Or is it like it was before? God gives us tremendous promises in his word. Thank you for listening. Please tune in next week for another inspirational message. If you're in the East Lothian area, visit us online at haddingtonelamchurch.com for information about how you can join us for our weekly Sunday services.